In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the epistles for the first four Sundays after the Epiphany are a sequential reading from Romans 12 and 13, although we won't get to 13 this year because Epiphany is a little bit shorter. And each Sunday's teaching is rooted in the initial exhortation of Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. One implication of being a living sacrifice is that we should not seek vengeance for the wrongs done to us, but should repay evil with good. As our epistle today says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Responding to evil with good sounds good in theory, but vengeance tastes good when we are angry. And we justify our retribution by saying that it wouldn't be right to let them get away with it. And this can feel good for the moment, but it doesn't work out in the long run for two reasons. First, we claim that our anger is righteous, but some part of our motive is always our wounded pride. As we avenge ourselves with impure motives, we fall into sin ourselves. Wanting to administer justice, we instead become liable to judgment ourselves. The second reason vengeance doesn't work is that it allows other people to determine how we will behave. For example, someone says something unkind or unfair about me that makes me angry, and I'm prompted to respond with comments of my own to set the record straight and I'm dragged into a nasty war of words. Thus, I've allowed someone else's wrong behavior to draw me into wrong behavior. Jesus is the model for responding to evil with good. Accusations and slanders were hurled at Jesus on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, but when he stood before Pontius Pilate, to defend himself, St. Matthew tells us that Jesus answered him not one word so that the governor marveled greatly, as Isaiah prophesied. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In fact, as St. Luke tells us, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He offered himself for the sins of the very people who insulted and rejected him. This is what St. Paul has in mind when he exhorts us to be living sacrifices by repaying the evil with the good. Of course, Jesus is the Son of God, and he is strong where we are all weak. But there's a larger point about justice embedded both in the Gospels and in our epistle. 
Jesus was not overlooking injustice. He was pleading his case to a different judge. The Bible tells us that the father heard his argument and executed judgment in his favor. Romans 1.4 tells us that Jesus was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Judgment eventually came to those who wronged him and did not repent. In Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 22, Jesus prophesied this judgment. He said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things that are written may be fulfilled. God's judgment came in his good time, after he gave Jerusalem ample opportunity to repent and change. God's judgments are always patient and just, as, Roman, as, as Revelation 16, 7 says, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Thus the call to respond to evil with good is a call to wait for God's true and righteous judgments to be revealed and to maintain our own innocence in the meantime so that we will be vindicated by God with our own resurrection and not be judged along with the world. As we wait for God's judgment to be revealed, our vocation is to pray for and desire good for those who wrong us, wanting them to know Christ and be forgiven, just as Christ has forgiven us all of our sins. Now this non-retaliation is often portrayed as weakness. In fact, <clears throat> the need for personal vengeance is a sign of emotional immaturity, an interior need to be immediately justified. In contrast, the ability to trust God, be patient in the emotionally intense moments of life, and not allow the world to lure us into its evil is a sign of emotional and spiritual strength. To respond to evil with good, we must literally take our salvation to heart. To be saved in the New Testament means precisely to be justified in the heavenly court and saved from the judgment that is coming on the world. The accuser's case against us has been thrown out. See Revelation 12, 10 and 11. We have been declared not guilty in Christ. As Romans 5, 1 says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And thus we will not be judged with the world, as Romans 5.9 says, having now been justified by his blood, we will be saved from wrath through him. This means that through baptism and faith in Jesus Christ, God declares us to be not guilty 
free from sin and righteous. And God promises to judge our enemies righteously in his good time. Therefore, we no longer need to justify ourselves. As Romans says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Why then do we feel a need to vindicate ourselves? The answer is simple. While God has justified us in Christ, our daily experience of life often makes us feel accused and guilty. This makes us defensive, angry, and vengeful. Thus, the practice of non-retaliation requires that justification become our daily experience and not just a theological idea in our minds. Our prayer is, in essence, a continual return to our baptismal experience of justification. Through prayer each day, we repent for the sins of thought, word, and deed that sneak into our lives, and Jesus cleanses us. As 1 John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This experience of forgiveness and justification in our prayer produces two behavioral fruits. First, having experienced justification, having experienced peace with God, we strive to maintain our innocence and our union with God. We don't want to fall back into guilt and create distance from God by taking out our unrighteous anger on others. Second, the experience of grace comes to guide our behavior. We act in response to the good we receive from Christ not in reaction to the evil that other people do to us. This change is illustrated by the gospel miracle of changing water into wine. The water represents the self-justifying and vengeful people we are by nature. The wine represents the new people Jesus has changed us into through faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. For truly, in an anxious, reactive, angry, and vengeful world, the ability to love and do good for those who do evil to us is an extraordinary miracle of change that reveals the glory and power of Jesus in us. Therefore, as the epistle says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.